Welcome to episode 54 of Friends in Film, a podcast where we talk about latest movie news and theatrical releases. I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by Josh Daly. On this episode, we're going to talk about Infinity War's growing cast, the future of the DCEU, Dope Pinder's return, and more, all before review, uh, Patriot's Day. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes at Friends in Film. Josh? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Friends in Film Extended Universe yes. podcasts. We should have an extended universe. This is... We we're on, well, we're in season two, yes, uh, or series two. Mm-hmm. Which one do you like better? Uh, we can, yeah, we can't do phases because true. We're in year two. Or, I get yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, phases would work if like we totally change the name and everything yes. else. Year two, week three. Awesome. So uh, big week. Uh, lots of news to cover. Totally. But uh, before we get to all the news, uh, what have you been up to this week? Well, this week was a jump back to my childhood, okay? And I didn't get to see, I didn't do movie watching. Okay. But I binged one of my favorite childhood movies and book series that finally popped up on Netflix, uh, a series of unfortunate events with Neil Patrick Harris in the lead as um, the Count Olaf. And the series is terrific because it actually gets to take time to you know, move through each book and really explore the wonky, dark, and sinister universe that uh, Daniel Hadler, who's Lemony Snicket, uh, you know, created. And I think it's been great so far. Yeah. Have you finished the whole thing? I watched the whole thing. They got four books in and all of it was just uh, terrific. And they even like wove in a story for Will Arnett and Colby Smulders. Oh, nice. Who I didn't even know were in it. So that was a fun surprise. How many episodes and what's the runtime on each? Eight you know? episodes. And they go 45 hour, 45 hour. Okay. Um. So yeah, it works Not out bad. about 10 hours of TV. Okay. Yeah. That's a, yeah. I, I remember seeing like the promos for it and stuff. Uh, and it looks interesting. I just haven't had the chance to uh, check it out yet. Uh, I spent my week... Yeah, what did you get up? What were you up to? Watching a lot of movies. Uh, outside of Patriot's Day, I also caught a couple of other awards hopefuls, uh, Live By Night, which I don't think is going to ever get any awards. So, um, I mean, is it reserved the reviews that it's been getting? It's it's definitely Affleck's weakest outing so far as a director. Uh, he didn't really give himself a lot to work with as like the lead uh, because his character is just kind of brooding kind of sad like he doesn't Static. He, yeah he doesn't get a lot to work with as an actor um and but i mean like the finale of the film is really good leading up to it though it's it's pretty slow kind of boring at points so not a great film but if you're an affleck fan um maybe a fan of gangster films it might be worth checking out uh, but i wouldn't recommend it to everybody uh and then also checked out uh moonlight the <gasps> yes. big awards contender, the uh, Golden Globes winner for um, best drama, yep. uh, after La La Land like broke the record for the most wins by a single uh, movie. But anyways, Patriots or not Patriots Day, Moonlight, really liked it. I it's not my favorite film of the year. Um, it might be in my top ten. Okay, but it's. I don't know if you did you see Boyhood a couple years yeah, ago. Yeah, I did see Boyhood. Yeah, did you like it? Uh, it? It was it was really it was it was very uh, what's the word innovative. Yes, and great subject matter. It's it's kind of like that where it's it's one boy's journey from a child to adulthood, mm-hmm. but it skips. It's like you get to see a half hour of 
his life in this in this point another half hour in a different point and then another half hour in a different point so it's it's not like that complete growth um and while i think each actor in the film is like everybody's good in it because like their limited time with each character outside of uh i believe it's naomi harris as uh little's mom Mm -hmm. she's the only one that's in it throughout the whole thing everybody else is just like they don't have a lot of screen time but they do like leave an impact yeah. But I wish like there are some people like like Mahershala Ali who's gotten a lot of awards consideration, where I wish I could have seen him more throughout the whole thing, or more of like Trevante Rhodes, or even like the younger kid. Um, but so that was like the the biggest problem for me is I just wanted to see more from the people, and I think you maybe it, it slows down a little bit here and there. But I mean, it's still a great film, definitely worthy of the awards consideration. Super strong narrative wo- wove throughout it. Yeah. Does it so like maybe like do you think it's it will lives up to the hype that is getting pitted against La La Land as like the two that will be battling for most awards? This? I think so. And even though I think La La Land's the better film personally, mm-hmm. I would be kind of surprised if Moonlight didn't win. Um, not because it's not deserving, but because after all the Oscars so white backlash yeah. uh, last year, I think the Academy is looking to award a film like this. And I mean, it's, it's completely African-American cast. Um, I'm not, I believe Barry Jenkins, the director also African-American. I haven't actually seen a picture of him or anything, um, but I believe he is. So I think they as an organization would like to award a film like this to get that notion of them being like not progressive enough sure off their backs um and I think Moonlight could definitely do that and I think it's deserving if it does get that. Yeah. And it's also a brave new world with the whole Oscar rules and who's yes. voting so um that could definitely have an impact. Yes it can, but that's enough uh, about movies we're not reviewing this sure. week even though i <laughs> mean point. there's a bunch of other stuff too but uh we have a lot of news to get to um if you want to skip straight to our view of patriots day there will be a timestamp in the description of this episode but hopefully you'll stick around for all the news that drops and we're going to start with a little fun one with variety revealing that anna kendrick is in talks to play santa's daughter oh, in a is, movie yes. called nicole this is great this is perfect uh Anna Kendrick is one of my favorite people in Hollywood, um, and you pair her with one of my favorite times of the year here, uh, and you got a winner. Um, Mark Lawrence is supposed to be writing and directing, so this is perfect. Yeah, uh, I don't, A, the title, not a great title. <laughs> yeah, Nicole. Nicole, I, I'm guessing that'll change at some point. The premise is a little funky, because it's like, she she's the daughter of Santa, but she also has a brother. And Santa wants to like retire, but the brother doesn't want to be Santa. So then she asked yeah. you like one night, just like, Oh, I guess I'm going to do this. Um, so not like the best premise, but I think it'll probably turn out to be something like elf where it's just a fun holiday classic that you'll watch over and over again with your family. Um, and I think Anna Kendrick's kind of perfect to play that daughter of Santa because she can either go like super over the top happy, or she can mm-hmm. kind of be like that. I don't want to do this. Like, and I kind of have that like sour attitude about her. And then like this movie would be about her yeah. realizing what Christmas is all about and the joy of Christmas and everything. Totally. I hope it works out. 
Yes. Uh, we also got an update on Uncharted this week with Joe Carnahan revealing on his Instagram that he has finished what he calls a monstrously cool script. Well, Joe Carnahan writes monstrously cool movies. Uh, he's got the A-team under his belt, and he did The Grey. Yes. Uh, and both of those are fantastic. So pair him with what I think is some awesome content with, um, in Uncharted. Do we have a winner here? I hope so. I, uh, yeah, I like Joe Carnahan as a writer. Uh, he's not directing the film, so now that the script is complete, uh, Sony should be able to find a director, hopefully pretty quickly, find a star. That is not Mark Wahlberg, Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, Nathan Fillion, or whoever else has been in contention, uh, even though I'd be fine with either of those men. Um, Was it you that brought up Oscar Isaac as the possible... I, me- I mentioned it, but it wasn't my yeah. idea. I stole it from, sure. I believe it was Jeff Snyder on Meet the Movie Press. Yeah, but you got, yes. You got me running with Diego Luna and Riz Ahmed now, and Ooh. I think either one of those guys would be awesome in that role. Yes. Uh, I think, I, yeah, again, those would be, those be great people. And as I, as long as this is a monstrously cool script, then maybe Uncharted is going to be that video game movie that turns it all around. I hope so. Um, moving to another big franchiser potentially big franchise Pacific Rim Uprising uh, cinematographer Dan Mendel posted a photo on his Instagram this week that showed a cast list for the film and confirmed that Rinko Kikuchi and Charlie Day are returning as their characters from the first Pacific Rim film and listed as well on that cast list was Carl Urban what? Um, he has since denied his involvement in the film but are you on board for Pacific Rim bringing back two and maybe you're maybe not having Carl Urban? Uh, okay, uh, yes. Charlie Day was, you know, helped that movie along, like, you know, part of the comedy. Um, Rinko is going to be great because at least some continuity because we're not getting Charlie Hunnaman back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's fantastic. But Carl Urban, now I'm just thinking of if he says no, but I'm still thinking about what could have been right. if that's true or not. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Rinko was really good in the first film, uh, so I'm glad to see her come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, hopefully, it's in another prominent uh, role as well. Charlie Day, I agree, was hilarious uh, in the first film as well. So seeing him come back, I think we mentioned like a long time ago when like Guillermo del Toro was like, "Oh, we're gonna return all these characters." Like I think we mentioned Charlie Day would be one that would be weird if he didn't come back because he worked so well in the first one. Uh, and yeah, I would Carl Urban. Whether he's in it or not, I want him to because that's it seems like something that he would be great fit for. Totally. And if not, I'd be I'm just curious to know what role he was in consideration for. Um, but we talked about it last week as well, and it's now been confirmed that Woody Harrelson has joined Han Solo there as his is. mentor. Well, I mean, ah, I wonder what role. I mean, I wonder how it's going to play out. Is yeah. he a smuggler? Is he an imperial? Is he the cousin Thracken South Solo? It could be either one of those. I just hope uh, I have to trust Phil Lord and Chris Miller. So yeah, yeah, I think this is just confirmation that a they added a great talent, and b that I just want to see this movie even more than I already did before. So uh, another good news for Star Wars, and some apparent good news as well for the X Men universe, specifically Gambit with the producer saying that Channing Tatum is still attached. Well, that is a good sign. That means he hasn't, you know, jumped off the project or, you know, gotten out of the contract. Yeah, because I think we theorized that, you know, if Gambit's not going to happen, then he should go over and play Suzanne and yes. team up with The Rock because that would be cool. Um, but, yeah, I th- 
this isn't really a surprise. I'm still not excited for a Gambit movie. Uh, maybe I will be once it's in theaters, but I'm st- I still don't really know if this movie's ever going to happen, and I kind of doubt it will. Yeah, right there with you, man. Um, but we did get some good news about Mad Max that it appears to be that we're going to still get a sequel at some point. Uh, Tom Hardy spoke to The rap and said that uh, he believes that there is a plan to do more, uh, but did not specify whether it's a prequel or a spinoff of Furiosa or a direct Mad Max Fury Road sequel. Uh, but really, he's just waiting on George Miller's call. And George Miller has been playing quiet with us like mm-hmm. most of the time. First it was no, then he said he was misquoted, and it's just a matter of when. Yeah. Um, I hope soon, because Fury Road blew my mind, man. Yeah, I yeah, I can't wait for this sequel whenever it does happen. Uh, I just don't want to wait much longer because you just never know. Like, I have faith that it's going to continue on, but the longer it sits, the longer it kind of loses that steam that they build off the first one. So hopefully it happens within the next like year or two that we hear something of it's starting production next week. Cause there was like that rumor like early in the year is like, or last year, I guess it was like, Hey, you know, Mad Max sequel is uh, going into production next week in Australia. We're all like, wait, what? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that obviously didn't happen. That. No. Um, but Disney has continued their live action and Variety reported this week that Will Smith is in early talks to play the human father, I guess the human lead in the film. Uh, And then they also reported that Tom Hanks has the offer to play the villain. That would be the pairing of the century, I think, for a Disney live action movie, wouldn't it? Yeah. Will Smith? Even if it's in Tim Burton's Dumbo? Tim Burton worries me a lot. Uh, that's, That's the only thing, you know, that makes me little worried but imagining will smith is the father of kids who bring home uh dumbo or want to bring home dumbo i mean i think about how great he was in uh pursuit of happiness Mm -hmm. and like he made that movie work as the father figure Uh, i think he could totally do it here tom hanks is the villain like the circus ringleader i think that's what he i think so yes yeah that would be oh that 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 would be an awesome clash um but dim burton though that worries me does it worry you uh, I think it's just more like, oh, this is just going to be a weird Dumbo movie, but I'm still, I don't know what to make this movie with, at first when like this report came out, I was like, oh, that's weird. Will Smith is going to like voice Dumbo. Like that doesn't seem, <laughs> like, a good, that doesn't seem like a good fit. Um, and I haven't seen Dumbo in such a long time. I don't really remember a lot about it outside of Dumbo as a kid. And there's like a weird, like crazy, like trippy scene that. It's hard to explain with pink elephants and everything. and Most of the Disney animation at that time was. Yeah. So I think if they can get Will Smith and Tom Hanks on board, that'd be a good start. Um, but I'm not still that I need a Dumbo live action movie. Not even after Pete's Dragon? Uh, you didn't like it? No, I did like Pete's Dragon. I didn't love it. Okay. But yeah, I still don't think... I don't think I needed a live action Pete's Dragon either. It was still a good movie, but... I, if I didn't see it, I would have lived life sure. fine. Okay. So, um, but yeah, I think the interesting thing was in Variety's article, I believe, they noted that the big holdup here is scheduling with Will Smith because Dumbo and Bad Boys 3 are supposed to start filming at the same time. 
So if he does Dumbo, Bad Boys 3 gets pushed back, oh. possibly indefinitely. And then Tom Hanks uh, is con- is still considering the offer because he wants to do his uh, Greyhound movie next That's instead. Right. So we'll see what happens with those. But we got uh, two trailers this week, one of which was the second trailer for Baywatch. Did you like it? it, it yeah. I mean, it definitely solidifies itself in that space of the 21-22 Jump Street reboot will make fun of the what the show was and then try to clear a path going forward. Um, Zac Efron and The Rock look like they're going to be fantastic together on screen. And then, you know, other than that, it was just the typical Baywatch jumping into the water, rescuing people from fire stuff. Uh, did it work for you? Yeah, I think, it's, I think I have the same impression that I did after the first trailer mm-hmm. where... I'm still waiting to see. I think it'll be good as long as it does hit on the 21, 22 Jump Street vibes it's giving off. Um, and, like, I remember, like, way back when the film started production of, like, set photos of, like, the scene where Efron and The Rock are carrying fridges. And we're, I'm like, yeah. this movie is not what I expected at all. But I think I think it'll be fine. I'm not expecting big things out of it as long as it's a funny comedy that it looks to be. I, Did you I think, think it was going to be more dramatic? No. Oh, no. Okay. But I just, I don't know. I just don't know what to expect with it, I guess. Sure. Um, but we also, speaking of dramatic, we got a dramatic oh. teaser for, or a full trailer actually for Cars 3. Uh, we were both interested with the teaser because it looked depressing and sad and gritty and dark. Uh, and this one's not so much. It's still kind of depressing, but it's more so telling the story of how Lightning McQueen is going to adapt to life post wreck and reform himself to compete with uh, the new fully functional hybrid or like high tech cars and everything. Yeah. And Jackson storm. Yeah. So this trailer's fine. I'm disappointed that they're not keeping that realistic looking animation that they had in the teaser. Um, but I'm not surprised that they're not doing that. But if they would have, I'd probably be a little more interested in the film. So what did it do for you? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, it definitely moved away from the the darker part of it. And that's a little sad. But like you said, there's no way Pixar was going to follow through with that right. um, for a hundred reasons. Uh, the story seems like it's the first one, though, too. Mm-hmm. Um maybe McQueen got arrogant again or is there something more to his comeback than just uh, they want to do this they want to have a finale for the story Um, I'm really interested to see how Army Hammer does as Jackson Storm because Mm -hmm. he's voicing him and then um, Cruz Ramirez is going to be the car that like helps coach Lightning McQueen back up to speed and that's uh, she's being voiced by um, Cristila Alfonso or Alonzo, sorry. And I think she's pretty funny. So uh, if that if those two things work real well, you know, it'll be it'll redeem itself from Cars too. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I did think they also missed a pun in there. You know, the the the, the words that are flashing up at the end. Uh-huh. It's not over until lightning strikes, uh-huh. and then it just ends. I thought they really should have been lightning strikes thrice. Because it's Cars Three, <laughs> you know. Like, <laughs> I thought they missed that pun, but uh, you I guess know. So on to the next. Yes, uh, maybe you can get a job at marketing <laughs> for Disney, and you can uh, do that for Planes Three or <laughs> Incredibles yeah. Three or something. Um, 
moving back to video games for a second, the Tomb Raider reboot uh, is continuing to develop with Variety reporting that Daniel Wu has joined the cast. Uh, his character is going to be Lou Ren, and included in this cast announcement was Variety giving a little bit of the plot, uh, saying that Lou Ren is a ship captain who partners with Laura Croft, played by Alicia Vikander, who is on a quest to find her father. So a little different vibe than I was expecting. Cause I was expecting like a, a world traveling adventure to find some artifacts or something. And instead it's a, it's more of a personal journey. Uh, and I like that. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like an origin story too. Mm-hmm. Um, cause her dad is like typically the, the explorer and she's following in his footsteps. Okay. So if she's going to find him, that means he's gone missing and, uh, that sounds like, you know, uh, her and uh, Daniel Wu's character are going to get washed ashore and then they'll have to continue the journey from there. Because if they're on a boat, you know that boat's going to sink oh, yeah. eventually. I mean, it's, it's not just going to be a sea, like, traveling <laughs> movie. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, finally a plot for Tomb Raider. And I, I really hope this works out because this is, I'm really anticipating this. Yes. Uh, moving to Star Wars. We've been talking about for the past couple of weeks about what Lucasfilm's going to do uh, following the death of Carrie Fisher, how they're going to proceed with Leia. And a report this week came out from BBC Newsnight that said that they were in negotiations with Carrie Fisher's estate. Lucasfilm was in negotiations, that is, not BBC. Uh, was in negotiations with Carrie Fisher's estate to use her likeness in Episode Nine as a CG character, just like they did with uh, Tarkin in rogue one however like a day or two after that report came out lucasfilm came out and publicly denied it which is something even their press release like we don't know we don't normally do this but this is completely wrong so we decided to deny it and lay it to rest now uh, they said that they are they never were considering using the cgi leia for episode nine or even episode eight to reshoot her scenes or whatever um, but instead they're going to continue to meet with the whole Lucasfilm brain trust to try and determine what exactly they're going to do with Leia uh, moving forward. So are you happy they're not doing CGI Leia or would you like to see them do that to try to keep her alive? What, what do you think they should do with the character? I don't know if anyone knows what they should do because, uh, I mean, it, it feels like it was just yesterday, even yeah. though it's been... A month now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, I do think putting out that press release was the right idea. And, you know, any, especially right now, is not the time to go shopping for, uh, you know, General Leia's, you know, image CGIing rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I would be shocked if they didn't end up purchasing them in the future. But, I, you know, even though they say they're not looking to do that. Um, okay. I, yeah, I don't know. When this first report came out, I was, I wasn't really, I'm not on board with the idea so, so soon after to digitally recreate Leia and like either just have her be a complete CG character or lay Carrie Fisher's face over a, a body double uh, who acted out the scenes instead. I just, I don't like how that, that feels. Um, but at the same time, it from all indications and all reports that have come out since uh, for, uh, Carrie Fisher's passing, 
it has been clear that Lucasfilm was planning to have Leia be a prominent role in Colin Trevorrow's episode nine. Mm-hmm. So with, if that's not going to be the case, that means that nine is going to go undergo serious rewrites. Probably is going to mean a much bigger role for Luke um, being that if they don't digitally recreate her and they don't recast her, which I don't think they would ever really consider that Mark Hamill is going to be the only original trilogy member mainstayer left in episode nine. So I don't know how that influences episode eight with, they're going to wrap up the ending. I think even if they don't digitally recreate her for episode nine, it might have to happen for episode eight to give her some sort of send off or you just do a body double where you'd never see her face. Um, yeah. I think there's, there's a lot of options. I don't know which one's the right one because that's, that's not my place. But uh, I think I said before, I'll say it again. I trust Lucasfilm. I think they'll make the right decision. Um, and I'm just interested to find out what they ultimately will do. Right. I, I'm taking I'm taking the approach I don't want it to happen. I'd rather see something written up in a thoughtful manner that, that you don't need to present her on screen mm-hmm. in any, uh, any way that would be disingenuous to who Carrie Fisher was or, you know, the character of Leia uh, in a write-out. But uh, ultimately, I just feel like this was a an attempt to avoid bad press, and then you know we'll watch episode nine when it comes around, and we'll see it happen there. And Lucasfilm will take the flack, but they'll have their money. So, so you do think that Leia will be involved in nine? I think she will, because I don't think Lucasfilm is going to compromise. You know, millions of dollars at the end at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and that's really cynical to kind of think that way. But um, it feels like. It just feels like bad press management right now. I'm gonna disagree. I think they're not. I think they'll they'll stick to it. Uh, they won't include a CG Leia. I could maybe see them doing body doubles, and you just never see Leia's face, which would be like distracting because you'd know that that's not Carrie Fisher. But I think it'd be l- less distracting than seeing Carrie Fisher's face, and like you you because like you know. Even in Rogue One, when you see, spoiler, at the end, if you haven't seen Rogue One by now, what are you doing anyways? Yeah, but no um, when you see the young Carrie Fisher at the end of it, you're like, that looks really good, but I know that's not, I know that's right. not Carrie Fisher. You look one second longer than yeah. they give you. You're like, oh, that doesn't work. Right. So then if they do, if they try to do pull that off for episode nine and you have a CG Leia throughout the whole movie, that's that's going to be hard to do. And I don't know how you do that um, from a practical standpoint and then try to like maintain Carrie Fisher's essence with yeah. the character. And then I'm, I'm still not even sure about the ethics of CGI. Exactly. Uh, yeah, that's a whole nother question. Mm-hmm. So um, moving on to some superhero stuff and not really some, there's a lot of it really. Uh, yeah. We'll start with Fox's X-Men universe and Collider had the chance to interview Deadpool 2 screenwriters uh, Paul Wernick and Rhett Reese this week, and they confirmed that Negasonic Teenage Warhead, Colossus, and everybody's favorite cab driver, Dopinder, yeah. are returning for Deadpool 2. So This is awesome. Yeah, I, I think each of them brought something really special and unique to Deadpool. Um, I'm actually like, I started rewatching it last night, and... 
you just love like anytime they're on screen they they played well separately but then also even more so when they're with deadpool so knowing that each of them are going to come back for the sequel i think is a good idea uh, i'm interested to see how they then implement cable and domino who knows who else ryan reynolds wants wolverine to appear yeah, sure but i i don't know i think as far as their appearances go, I'm on board for it, and I'm looking forward to see them all back together once yeah. again. Ste- uh, Stefan Kapinick's Colossus, mm-hmm. I thought was like you know a gem of that movie, um, especially with him playing off of uh, Hildebrand's Negasonic teenage warhead, and then and then her chemistry with Deadpool was. Uh, I don't know if it made those those two scenes like invaluable, and uh, I can't wait to see them pop back up on screen. Yeah, um, and we just don't really know when exactly that's going to be because Deadpool Two doesn't have a release date. Uh, Ryan Reynolds is saying that it'll be made when it's ready. Uh, he, they don't know when it's actually exactly going to start, but Fox has a couple of 2018 release dates already locked down: one in February, one in June, I believe, and one in November. And it appears that one of those could be the next X-Men, like main storyline following Apocalypse, be the seventh X-Men main saga story, I guess. Because um, I don't really know what to call besides just X-Men films. Yeah, the, um, oh, what do you call it? The one of the gang-ups. The, the team-ups. The ensemble film. Sure, yeah, the X-Men ensembles. Uh, and the news came this week that... They, outside of just New Mutants and Deadpool 2, that it looks like Fox is gearing up very quickly to shoot a movie called X-Men Supernova, uh, which is the reported title now for the seventh X-Men film, the follow-up to Brian Singer's X-Men Apocalypse, even though he's not scheduled to return at this point. Um, And then Production Weekly, just today or yesterday, as of this recording, revealed that the working title is dark phoenix uh so what do you make of potentially seeing the next x-men film next year and the possibilities that we could see the dark phoenix saga play out again in the x-men universe that would be a first of all next year would be a super fast turnaround for a movie that has no one slated to come back yet Uh, i mean at all i don't think um, but in the Dark Phoenix story is good. I mean, we got a he- very heavily hinted at at the end of Apocalypse, uh, more so that it was like it's almost its own part of the movie right. in some ways. Um, I-, I just don't know if it'll be as gripping without, you know, Logan there, uh, Wolverine. Um, but Sophia Turner plays Jean Grey, uh, probably, probably the best, um, even though it's only been one movie. Mm-hmm. I just thought she did such a great job. Uh, but I am very, I'm so disinterested in an X-Men movie, you know, <laughs> under Brian Singer's direction or anybody for that matter. Um, are you down for this, man? I, I don't can't. know. It, it's just, it's so weird that like Fox could potentially be starting production on a film in a couple of months that we didn't even know was happening until just now. Like we always knew that there's going to be another X-Men film. Um, and I think like, um, like 
back in like the later part of 2016, we talked about that report from the Hollywood Reporter where they were like, here's the rundown of all the X-Men problems. They were like McAvoy, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, Michael Fassbender, Nicholas Holt are all not under contract. Uh, Brian Singer's not going to return, but then they reported that Simon Kinberg was working on the script for the next film, which appears to be X-Men Supernova. Um, and yeah, I'm not surprised that the Dark Phoenix saga is potentially going to be played out because of the ending of Apocalypse, where, I mean, really the whole battle against Apocalypse at the end was just a Jean Grey showcase of like, yeah. oh, look how powerful she can be <laughs> because you're going to see her even more moving forward. Um, I think that's the right move to make because one of the biggest grievances a lot of X-Men fans have with X-Men 3, The Last Stand, is the way that they did the Dark Phoenix story in there. Um, and I'll disagree with you. I like Famke Jansen's version of uh, Jean Grey more oh, okay. than Sophie Turner. She's great too. She is. Um, and maybe after Supernova, uh, if that is the official title after all, I'll like Sophie Turner more, but it's just there was limited screen time um, and she wasn't really the main player in the story until at the very end. But uh, I'm just really, I'm just more surprised that this movie is potentially happening so quickly than excited for the movie because even like X-Men Apocalypse you go back to early episodes of the podcast, and anytime we talk about it, I'm just like, I don't, I don't know why, but I'm not excited for yeah, this movie. Yeah, it's happening, but... <laughs> and I think that's going to be the same case with Supernova, unless they announce a new director, because it's not going to be Brian Singer. So unless they announce a new director that I'm just a huge fan of, I'm like, okay, that's a different take. I want to see I want to see Joss Whedon's X-Men movie. That would get me like super intrigued by the movie, but I don't think that's happening. Um He's not busy, man. He's not, but I don't think after getting <laughs> yeah. involved with Disney true. Uh, and the Marvel Studios machine that he's going to want to go and jump into Fox, who has less <laughs> management over there. If anything, I think he would jump to DC and... Uh, he could turn that place around. Yeah, and be their Kevin Feige type of thing. Justin, If Justin Lin got picked up to direct, would you be on Ooh, board? That's an interesting proposition. Um... Yeah, yeah, I would. Yeah, same here. I like his Fast and Furious movies. I was a big fan of his Star Trek Beyond. Um, so yeah, I think I think that'd be a good get. Speaking of that, we got to look for an update on Hot Wheels. There's not. There's none. There's no updates. But uh, there is an update. A lot of updates actually on Avengers: Infinity War. Ooh, here we and go. The subsequent untitled sequel. But the first one came from the Daily Record UK, who listed in a report about how the filming of Avengers Infinity War in Scotland was going to help their economy and bring all the money to the city and uh, everything. They listed Liv Tyler as one of the cast members for Avengers Infinity War. Uh, She has not appeared in a Marvel movie since The Incredible Hulk, which has been largely forgotten in the Marvel Cinematic Universe continuity. Totally paved uh, over. Because Mark Ruffalo was recast, or Mark Ruffalo took the role from Edward Norton as Bruce Banner. But more recently, we got to see um, William Hurt come back as Thunderbolt Ross in Civil War. So maybe they're trying to connect it. Would you be on board to see his daughter, Betty Ross, return? Yeah, I mean... Um for continuity's sake, sure. Uh, but for, I mean, other reasons, there's a very open-ended uh, conversation to be had with her and Bruce Banner. I mean, Bruce has got to come back into the fold somehow. So that could be a part of it. Um, if they even just use her for that, that'd be, it'd be nice to see that get tied up. Um, and then Secretary Ross is 
kind of a jerk right now. Uh-huh. So she's definitely the balancing act to him and could be a very interesting liaison to the outcasted Avengers. So, I mean, all of that is, you know, great material if they want to get her in the movie. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. Um, I don't think anybody is clamoring for Liv Tyler to return as Betty Ross. No, probably not. Um, but it is just, I think they have continued to pitch the Infinity War movies or the previous inf- called Infinity War movies as the culmination of the MCU to this point. So I think if that is the case, bringing in Liv Tyler to make a quick appearance as Betty Ross would be a fun nod to the first film. Maybe make it even more likely that someday we'll get to see the abomination back on screen again. Um, but I'm just not sure what exactly her role could be. And this is never, this has not been reported anywhere else before. Yeah. I don't know if they just like, the daily record was just like, oh, let's Google shirt, let's Google search uh, Infinity War cast members. They saw Liv, or Marvel actors and like Liv Tyler's, and they're like, oh, okay, Liv Tyler's in Avengers Infinity War. I think that could be the case. Highly possible. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think, I don't know where she would fit in with this, like the story of Thanos coming to Earth, end of the world, universe is in, you know, shambles type of story because she's just like a scientist and she's no longer involved with Bruce Banner's life. I feel like it'd just be the way of trying to throw a wrench into the Bruce Banner, Black Widow relationship of going, Oh, Hey Bruce, remember me? Uh, wait, who are you? (laughs) Wasn't that like basically killed off though in age of Ultron? I kinda, but I think there's, there's gotta be a conversation whenever Hulk comes back to earth. That's true. Of, Hey, remember when I was trying to get you to come back to base and you were just like, nope, see ya. Didn't mm-hmm. even say bye to me. Uh, after we like had spent like the night together at Hawkeye's ranch and everything and had all those like very deep conversations. Um, there's definitely something that's got to happen because you can't just jump back in and be like, oh, hey, Bruce. Yeah. Oh, hey, Natasha. Let's be best friends again. But that's how life is sometimes. Sometimes. You know? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but, I mean, Ross is technically still ticked off at the Outcast Avengers. Sure. And they have that whole uh, Slovak, the, she, Sokovia. Sokovia, thank you. Uh, those accords going. So uh, maybe someone's got to be like, hey, you know, the, the Avengers aren't saving the planet from you know, destruction yet. Can they go do that? And he'll say like, no. And then Liv Tyler's there to be Betty Ross and be like, yes. And he's like, okay. Yeah. Or maybe she's been working on a cure all this time. And then Banner comes back to earth after the victory over Hela and Asgard or the destruction of Asgard, whatever happens with Thor Ragnarok. And she sees him and he's like, I don't know. I I just spent two years as just the Hulk. I need to be Bruce Banner. Mm Mm-hmm. But the Hulk's taking over, and she's like, oh, I have a cure. <clears throat> Sticks you, and then you lose your biggest heavy hitter against Thanos. I don't know. Especially if, because she's like, you know, in those, in the first Hulk, you know, that 2004 one, and then the reboot, uh, she's, you know, pitched as the, the calming force. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, even after two years of just Hulk, that yeah, would be you never know. interesting. Uh, but we also got some confirmations that some superheroes are going to appear in Avengers Infinity War, which is a big shock to everybody. Whoa. Uh, but this time it was Tom Holland confirming to an uh, interview with Vogue Italy that he's going to appear. And then uh, Zoe Saldana confirmed to, I believe it was MTV, that Gamora is going to be in it as well, which is not a surprise since the whole Guardians cast, I believe, has been confirmed already. Mm-hmm. But 
Are you happy that both of them are coming back? Yes, I'm super happy that both of them are coming back. Gamora is one of my favorites. Um, and Tom Holland, Spider-Man, like I said, a thousand times, I think. <laughs> He's my favorite superhero, hands down. Um, I'm really interested in the quote that Tom Holland's gave to Vogue mm-hmm. Italy, though, about how the producers wanted, he think he said, the producers wanted to make sure I was the right person before entrusting me with three films over the next four years. So Avengers, his own movie, and then mm-hmm. Infinity Wars. But it also made me think, do you think Tom Holland has a large role ahead of him in the MCU, like Tony Stark level? I don't know. Because I think there's there's multiple ways you can do this. And I think the big factor on Holland's longevity in the MCU depends on how quickly Marvel Studios and Sony want to bring in Miles. And whether or not they want to have Miles and Peter exist with one another or if they want to do the death of Peter Parker storyline where Peter Parker dies and that's where Miles takes up the suit and the mantle and becomes the new Spider-Man. So I don't know what exactly they're going to do. I am not surprised that Gamora is confirmed because I felt like that had already happened. Uh, But Holland, like a couple of months ago, had been like, had said, oh, I don't know if I'm in Infinity War. I think they're still working out the contracts. And I uh, missed that quote. Did we talk about it? I'm pretty it? sure we covered it. Huh. Um, but so I'm not surprised that it eventually worked out because yeah, you don't bring in, you don't make this deal, introduce him in Civil War, put Rob Downey Jr. in Homecoming, and then go for the biggest, the two biggest movies in MCU history, maybe ever. Uh, regardless of what happens moving forward, you're not going to have Spider-Man involved. I think that would have been a huge mistake. So I'm very happy to see both of them uh, confirmed to be involved with the story. And it's going to start shooting in like two or three weeks. So it'll be very, very soon before maybe we get some more plot details Heck about what's yeah. happening. But the big surprise about Avengers Infinity War was another report from Variety that said that Peter Dinklage is in talks to star in an unknown role that would have him appear in both Avengers Infinity War and the follow-up. Whoa. He is... Okay, Peter Dinklage is... has been, been so sporadic, you know, all over the place. Great in every role. But he found himself, uh, his career, as Tyrion Lannister in Game of Thrones. And now you toss him in Avengers Infinity War, the most epic battle uh, on screen that, you know, like you just mentioned. Who could he be? Because I have no role for no idea. Okay. Help me out here. Walk Um, me through this because this is fantastic. Yes. I I am definitely on board with Peter Dinklage joining, even though I'm not a Game of Thrones watcher. Uh, I think he is a talented actor. And this just goes to show that Marvel is just making headlines constantly with casting. Uh, The two popular theories right now, uh, the one I would be most interested to see would be MODOK who is this guy who's just like this mad scientist guy who eventually it's so hard to explain who Modoc is, but basically he's a guy that sits in a chair. He has tiny arms, tiny legs, but he has a huge head and he's like this crazy scientist, like genius, uh, super villain. Um, who is, he's, well, okay. he's, he's nuts. Uh, there's no way to explain Modoc really. Um, and so I would like to see that. So then it's not just Thanos as the villain or Thanos and Loki or whoever, else are going to appear so that way there's some other threat that could potentially split up the entire roster so they all can't just gang up on Thanos. Mm-hmm. The other one that I think is even that's also very interesting 
not so because of what it gives for Peter Dinklage, but of what it implies who else is going to appear is uh, this character called Pip the Troll, uh, <laughs> which there's obvious, there's obvious parallels because Peter Dinklage is very short. Yeah. And even I, I've seen like this panel of a comic floating around where Pip the Troll appears and he's like going out on a date or something and somebody goes, hey, you're that Game of Thrones guy, right? And it's like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like Marvel's been playing this for years. Um, okay. But really, Pip the Troll is the sidekick to Adam Warlock. <gasps> which I am dying to, who I'm dying to see bring in to the MCU period, but yes. also more so specifically as soon as Avengers Infinity War. So if Peter Dinklage is Pip the Troll, I think this means for sure that Adam Warlock is also appearing, which makes sense because Aisha is the villain in Guardians of Galaxy 2, mm-hmm. who is her, which is the female version of Adam Warlock. So if they've made the female version in the comics that they've already made, the male version, which is Adam Warlock, him, whatever else you want to call him. So if he has Pip the Troll, that means we're getting Adam Warlock. And that means I'm really excited. Uh, so then even if Adam isn't necessarily a villain in this film or a hero, mm-hmm. he could play a role going forward. Yeah. And, <gasps> wow. I this... wouldn't be surprised because it says he would appear in both movies if he has a very... if. If Peter Dinklage is Pip the Troll, mm-hmm. if he has a very small role in Avengers 3, and it's him, wherever he is, whether he's on Earth or he's somewhere else in the cosmos and he's hearing about the destruction of Thanos, and then it's him hunting down somebody, the audience doesn't know who it is, and then the end of Infinity War is him finding Adam Warlock and uh. saying, we need you to help save the galaxy and go to Earth. And fight Thanos. Game changer. Yeah. And that's where maybe at the end of Infinity War, some battles already happened and Thanos has killed six members of the Avengers. And then, you know, the MCU's reeling for a year. And then when it comes back next May, Adam Warlock's coming to Earth. The Guardians are coming or they're already there. And it's a heavy hit in battle. That would be a fantastic. And then we, we would get, we get winks and nods to warlock after with aisha in Mm -hmm. guardians of the galaxy oh this pip sounds fantastic i think yeah modok i think would be the more interesting character just because of the visual portrayal of him but Mm -hmm. pip the troll i think gets me a little more excited because i just am dying to see adam warlock i love it uh that's it for the marvel cinematic universe so we're gonna move to the dc extended universe and dwayne the rock johnson had a meeting with dc execs this week and he's very active on social media, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. And he took the opportunity to tease uh, that WB and DC films are going to kick off a new era of sorts for the DCEU. Uh, he used words like hope, optimism, and fun. Uh, he said there's going to be a shift in tone moving forward and that he is personally going to help usher in a new era. So... There isn't much of like concrete detail to go on there, but do you like the idea that DC is trying to shift the perspective of their universe and that they're using The Rock to help do that? If there's any actor alive that can lift DC up from the depths that it's at. Literally. It's, yeah, literally. He it's can literally Dwayne, pick it up. Or no, figuratively. Well, both. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> uh, there's, there was a good, that's a good joke from... Uh, 
series of unfortunate events. They have a conversation about literally and figuratively like the entire, oh, the yeah. entire show. <laughs> but yeah, he, he can do it. He's the most entertaining and fun guy out there right now. And just in the, in the most serious and unserious way. Uh, and if Dwayne gets the, can help them find the heart and soul that, you know, I bashed them for missing last week, uh, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think this this is all very interesting timing, and we'll get to other news that happened with DC. This is this kind of this whole week has been about the kind of the optimistic look of the DC extended universe and how they're looking to change things up. You have Ben Affleck talking about, which we'll get to later, that he's definitely going to direct the Batman. You have mm-hmm. Green Lantern Riders announced, which we'll get to next. Um, and now you have The Rock going to DC to meet with them after only a couple weeks ago on Christmas, he was posting pictures of meeting with Henry Cavill yeah. and what that could mean. And if he is doing this, I think it means for sure that Black Adam is going to be appearing sooner rather than later, whether that's Justice League and he's somehow incorporated into that or it's Man of Steel 2 or Justice League 2 or it means that Shazam is going to progress even quicker and that they want to capitalize on this and give people just a fun movie with Black Adam as the anti-hero villain and push that out to come out next or 2019, which is technically where it's already slated to come out in April, but there's just been no word on it right. where it just, that seems unlikely. But if he's meeting with them now and they're going, all right, we've got this great script, we've got a plan, or maybe it's him telling them, I've got a script, I've got this great plan, I have this guy I want to cast, and it's them going, this all sounds great, let's do it, let's start filming whenever your schedule opens up next, and then we'll find a release date right after. Heck yeah. So I think I think this is smart. I'm still not sure how how much faith to put in this because this is it's just all talk. Mm-hmm. That's I need, true. I need, I need I... something to actually show me and prove to me that this new direction is actually working, and if anything it's going to be this year wonder woman and justice league have both received really good word of mouth so far from anybody who's been involved with it and they've continued to uh, preach that this is a new this is a new time for the dc extended universe we have a new tone it's not as dark it's more hopeful um so if if this is part of that then i'll be on board so uh moving to green lanterns they're the Green Lantern Corpse as Core. I'm not sure what. I, I think, think it's, it. I think it's Core. I think it's Core too. Corpse is like a company, yeah, like the, corporation. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Green Lanterns are kind of a galactic corp organization. But, anyways, um, Deadline revealed this week that David Goyer and Justin Rhodes have been hired to do a new take on the on the script or the concept of the Green Lantern movie for DC. Uh, it has been described as lethal weapon in space. And confirmed that it will definitely oh, yeah. star Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart as the two main Green Lanterns. This is the best news. <laughs> uh, not only just because of the words Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart together, but because also David Goyer has been a part of a lot of great movies. Uh, like, you know, or at least done drafts. Mm-hmm. Had, had his ideas placed throughout them. Um, and then just to give you an idea, though Jonathan Nolan is the brainchild yes. behind Christopher Nolan's uh, you know, original Batman trilogy. David Goyer was right there for Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Yep. He had his hands in Dawn of Justice, which, okay, well, whatever. But also, he did The Blades, <laughs> the Blade he trilogy, did. with Wesley Snipes, and those are arguably pretty great. Uh, 
the first the first one is okay okay we'll agree there we'll agree there and then he also which is you know a little bit but call of duty black ops had a great storyline he had his hand in that too mm-hmm. and you could go through the man's entire um uh, i am IMDB page mm-hmm. and probably find you know lots of other great things so this this the description and the synopsis sounds terrific uh, am I getting too am I getting too hyped on this I'm tr- I'm trying to temper myself <laughs> but this this could be this could be pretty great I do think I do think this is a good move uh, David Gore yes has been to att- attached to a lot of great things he's also been attached to some not good things he's not he doesn't have a flawless track record That's so true. I I'm not over the moon that he is doing this because he has he did do BVS he did Man of Steel uh not sure if he was involved with Suicide Squad, but I'd be pretty surprised if he wasn't. Uh, he probably looked at Justice League script because uh, him and Zack Snyder are buds. Mm-hmm. And he just appears to be like the DC guy now. So I like the I like the addition of the script. I'm more interested that it's going to be Lethal Weapon in yeah. space because I like that idea. And obviously there's like very clear comparisons because you have Hal Jordan the white guy, mm-hmm. John Stewart, the black guy, and right. that translates very that just that's perfect for how, uh, what Lethal Weapon is. Um, so I'm 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 glad that they definitely appear to be moving in the direction that Hal Jordan and John Stewart are going to be the leads. It's not just going to be Hal Jordan, or it'll be Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner. Or I'm I'm glad that John Stewart is going to be a main guy. I'm I don't remember which one's going to be like the quote unquote mentor to the other one. Um, do you have anybody who you'd maybe want to see cast in these roles? Uh, I don't know who to do, uh, what to do with Hal Jordan. They could get Ryan Reynolds and then have him, you no. know, killed. They could have him die at the end and then leave me with my Idris Elba, John Stewart, right there, okay. going forward. Um, but you can, as long Idris Elba, Idris Elba only for John Stewart. Really, that's that it. Is, that is that is that is who I want, and I would uh, the things I would do for that to happen. Um, or not the things I would do, the money I would pay, you know, <laughs> see seeing this movie, movie three, yeah. four times, IMAX 3D, uh, that would be fantastic. Uh, I haven't even thought about Hal Jordan because I've just kind of been done with him. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you Well, you talked got? about Arnie Hammer earlier, and there was a bunch of rumors at, oh. near the end of 2016 that Justin Hammer, um, what, not Justin Hammer. <laughs> yes, uh, Arnie. <laughs> Arnie Hammer. <laughs> Justin Hammer's a very different person. <laughs> yes. Uh, Arnie Hammer, like, because he followed Jeff Johns and he, like, followed all these DC-related people and people are like, oh, who's he going to play? And then, like, after this news came out about the Green Lantern writers, Jeff Johns tweeted, like, in uh, Blackest Day, Darkest Night, and then he had just a picture of the Green Lantern symbol. Yeah. Arnie Hammer liked that photo. Take that as whatever you want. I think he would be a really interesting Hal Jordan and after seeing Moonlight and Luke Cage and House of Cards, <gasps> Mahershala okay. Ali as yeah. John Stewart, I think would be absolutely great. And normally I like to try to not cross the lines of DC and Marvel and Fox and stuff because I like in my head that you're one superhero, you're a different one. Mm-hmm. But Mahershala, spoilers for Luke Cage if you have not finished Luke Cage, um, but Mahershala Ali is no longer a part of that show. Uh, he is leaves the show in the middle of the first season uh and he was one of the best parts of the show so he's not gonna have a future in the mcu and he had such a small role 
overall that after Moonlight and his awards recognition, I would not be shocked if they did move in this direction. But if they want to go younger, John Boyega, uh, oh, I think is an obvious choice as well. Mm. Um, so I, I, there's going to be so many different people in contention for this role whenever they get near a point of, of casting them. Uh, if they have a cameo in Justice League, then you're going to have to cast them relatively soon. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, I think I think that is I think it's good news. I'm glad we actually have news about Green Lantern because it's it's been a while. Yeah, we we got it got thrown out there uh, when they were announcing this whole slate, and then silence. Yep. Until we got the Green Lantern's going to show up and deliver some <laughs> awesome news to the Justice League cast. Did we talk about that Justice League set photo? We did not, but that thing's cool. Yeah, that's very cool. Batman's armor. Yeah. Whoa. And yeah. then I can't wait for Cyborg. Yeah. I, I, yeah, the photo looked great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm still waiting to see whenever Superman shows up because he's still missing <laughs> from everything. That's right. And I'm real, I'm just so interested to see what they do with that marketing wise. And if they do, uh, if they do a Luke Skywalker, and they just don't show him at all. And then he shows up with every end of the movie. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, but he was like in like at Comic-Con when they released like a justice league photo. He was right. He was right there in the middle. I was yeah. Like, okay. So he's, He's gonna have a, a a role, and like <laughs> Henry Cavill's on set they're, they're, a long time. <laughs> they're not playing coy with it. They're just they're. It's almost like yeah. It's almost like they're just like oh, we know you know, yeah. but we don't want to admit that you know. Exactly. <laughs> okay, um, but going to Batman, we talked about it last week, uh, kind of angrily, passionately, um, yeah. that DC is maybe messing up their whole universe. Um, but Affleck, uh, after all that came out this whole week has mainly been talking about how he is going to do the Batman. Uh, he went to Jimmy Kimmel live and said that he uh, is going to, re- he, I think his quote was, I am going to direct the Batman. He just flat out said it, yeah. confirmed it. Yeah. Um, but he, he, like, I don't know if you watched the interview, but if you haven't go do it and you just see, he is so frustrated with mm-hmm. the constant questions. And I understand it from his perspective. And I feel a little bad um, being one of the people that last week I was like, Affleck, what are you doing? DC, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, we were make, kind. Make this work. And then for him to just be like, I worked on Live by Night for a year and a half. Nobody cared. Mm-hmm. But because it's Batman, every single day people would ask me, when's the Batman coming out? When's the Batman coming yep. out? When are you direct? Are you directing the Batman? Where's the script at? Who's ca- who's going to be casting this role? And you're just like, okay, I, I get it. And he like his face turns like beat red. Yeah, he was just so like worked up about it. It's kind of funny, but I was just like, I feel bad for you. Yeah, so I mean, totally, especially for a guy who's gotten absolutely indirectly gotten a lot of crap. Um, and I think I I, I need. To, I'm pretty sure I was harder on WB execs yeah. more than I was Ben himself, but he's, he's found himself between a rock and a hard place between expectations and expectations on both ends. Mm-hmm. Um, fans, which can be even worse than, you know, the executives that, you know, give down the orders and you're, you're totally right on Kimmel. He, he was this close from telling you how he really felt. I thought like, his head was going to f- pop off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he was like, he was, he 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 was letting off steam even mm-hmm. in that Kimmy Kimball interview, uh, and it, it made me feel better about everything. Like and not about what I said last week, right. uh, which if I I think I said some things, but about Affleck, you know, but um, more so the WB enterprise as a whole. Uh, but I think he wants to get it right. Um, 
and that's why thing he's he's be he's probably very up what's the word uh he's not happy with the constant questions yeah uh but there was another interview i can't remember where it was from where they asked him again about the batman and he's like like they asked him, he's like oh you know the thing that's difficult about that would that would be difficult about directing would be starring and directing because i'm starring as batman that suit's very uncomfortable uh mm-hmm. i would need a brand new suit because i i wouldn't want to stay in that suit for 17 hours bec- while i'm while i am playing it but then also looking at shots setting up new shots doing different characters i don't have time to change constantly um and in that interview he said something like should i direct the movie and i was like oh, he's He's waffling again. I don't. Yeah. I, I still don't know how to feel about it. Uh, I, I'm not as down on the whole premise of the Batman movie as I was last week. I think it'll get done. I think it'll be fine. Uh, hopefully, great. Um, and part of the news that came out as a result of all this questioning of the Batman and everything was a report from Batman on film that said that filming is going to be delayed. Um, which we've talked about, I believe, in the past that like Joe Manganiello and J.K. Simmons and everybody else is like, oh, filming starting in the spring of 2017. Then the like former CEO of W was like, Batman's coming out in 2018. And now it looks like it's going to start filming at the earliest in the summer of this year and that the release date is more than likely going to be 2019. Yeah. So I think... That makes that eases my concerns a little bit because I'm not worried that. First off, I'm I'm really bummed that I have to wait till 2019 to see Affleck's Batman movie, but I would rather him as a creator give be given the chance to wait, finish his script, make it the way he wants, film it the way he wants, and then has time to edit it and everything, put on 2019, make me wait a little longer, but hopefully result in a better product at the end of the day. Yeah. Then having him be forced to start filming in the spring, even though I don't know if he would be forced because he said he would walk, um, but having the movie film in the spring to hit a 2018 release date and then ultimately be disappointed that by it. Right. And then this way he can pick his team. He can get the guys that he can help him make the movie, you know, the way he wants to while he has to deal with the, I'm sure like you, like what you just talked about, the, what it's like to be an actor in a big budget movie that requires your costume and things like that mm-hmm. to be, um, you know, done at four in the morning and not taken off till, uh, 12 at night. So, right. Uh, the last bit of news we have is about wonder woman. And this is possible spoilers because this has not yet been revealed in official marketing or been confirmed by WB themselves. So if you want to avoid some potential spoilers for W for wonder woman, Skip ahead a couple of minutes until our view. Just go to the timestamp um, that's in this, this description to skip this spoiler, potential spoiler. But uh, French magazine Studio Cine Live um, posted a rundown of information they got from the set visit of Wonder Woman, which is interesting because no other outlets have posted any info from the set visit of Wonder Woman, which makes me believe that this is either a false or b and more likely they broke embargo and will no longer be yeah. involved with any wb productions um but the big part about this was not that they released new photos or an interview with chris pine it was a description they gave about the plots which 
again, they reportedly learned on the set visit, uh, where it seemed to confirm that Ares is the real villain of the film. Holy smokes. So the uh, quote said, Behind these scientific formulas, there is a deadly gas that could well annihilate humanity. It turns out that there that it might interest Ares, the god of war. He is jealous of humanity, which is a creation of his father, the deceased Zeus. Uh, then in parentheses, the Amazons and Zeus rebelled against Ares, and Zeus died from the hands of his son. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Ares, the god of war. I don't know what he's how often or what he's depicted like, you know, in this Snyder universe or the DCEU mm-hmm. in the grounded reality. But he is pretty sweet in Injustice, Gods Among Us. Oh, yeah. Like, um, playing against him is always hard. Uh, but this makes the plot that much more compelling. And it, it makes me wonder what's going on in that ballroom when uh, Gal Gadot's got her, you know, that mm-hmm. blade behind her dress. Uh, like... This changes a lot of my feelings about Wonder Woman, especially the very the, the the very nature of the tone that we've been seeing and a lot of it. And this could be really awesome if true. Yes. Not if I remember correctly, when we were talking about like the trailer or maybe a synopsis for Wonder Woman or something related to the movie, you were like, I don't know why Wonder Woman is getting involved. And now it appears that we know why Wonder Woman's involved yeah. because it's not just, oh, this cute boy crashed his plane in the water and I saved him, mm-hmm. and now I'm in love with the first man I, the first man I ever saw, and I'm going to go help him save, fight this war. And if whether she knows about Ares or not before she leaves, ultimately it gives her something to go up against in the third act, which is inevitably going to happen because. Otherwise, it's just Wonder Woman versus World War One army guys, right? And that that's no contest, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I like this because not only because I think Ares, obviously as the god of war, can match up with Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. but because there's also just like a very interesting parallel between World War One and potentially the god of war in is it Greek mythology? Um, yeah, or well. Go ahead, finish your thought, and I can help you out. Okay, but, like, anyways, with Ares, the god of war, potentially, like, being involved and, like... The catalyst for the world wars. Yeah. The like, bloodiest, yeah. you know, times in humanity. Like, I think, I, think, I think that's a great way to mesh real world and fiction together. Uh, totally. Because yeah. they, they've done that in the past, and I think this is just a smart way to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, the, the bloodiest conflicts, while... Maybe, maybe I may not like it at the end of the day just because of simplification, but the idea that uh, that's part, this yeah. was part of, you know, one of the most, the, the worst 20, 30 years of human history mm-hmm. uh, is, is cool. Um, and yeah, like you said, I, I loved what I saw in that first Wonder Woman trailer, but immediately I was like, why, why does she need to be out there first of all? Mm-hmm. But yeah, and this, this is good. I like this. Yeah. This is awesome. Do you have any ideas about how they're going to portray Ares? Do you think that we haven't seen Ares yet or that he is somebody who is, t- who is like taken a human form yeah. and that eventually in like the third act, he'll make like a, a doomsday, unfortunately type transformation into like a, into the God of war. Yeah. I, I think we've seen her, um, wonder woman be Diana taking on 
some Nazis with like swords. Mm-hmm. And that made me think, well, why does that Nazi have a, like a, like a pretty sweet sword too? Uh-huh. It, it, that's in one of the trailers, that slow-mo, I believe. Uh, I remember like Stone was the first sliding on the floor with her sword, but I don't yeah. remember like focusing on. There's some combat with one on one. I can't remember if he's got a blade or not. Okay, but I would would not like it if he's possessed. You know, possessed a general or anything uh-huh. like that. I would much more like it that he's pulling the strings some other way. Okay, but I think it's gonna be hard for them to, you know, get around that. Right. So that's why I think uh, Danny Houston. I mm-hmm. believe uh, is the actor who looks like he's playing like the general uh, in the film. And he's the one that in that shot where Diana's in the blue dress with the God Slayer in her back. That's who I believe she's walking towards. So that could be the turning point in the movie where she knows that that's Ares. And then she has like her one woman gear on underneath the dress or something. And then she goes to kill him. And yeah. then he makes that transformation or whatever. Yes. into materialization yeah, <gasps> yeah into being like the full grown areas or whatever because I, I would guess you're not gonna have a 50 year old guy portraying Ares and be like i'm just a regular dude right but i'm super <laughs> strong like they're, they're gonna they're gonna change it up because Ares, like in the comics that's a very cool look yeah. so dark knight uh, yeah um, like yeah like well not the dark knight but like right not he does look like batman but, uh the 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 black knight there we go yeah um, so and I think we've seen glimpses of that fight with uh, the trailer where she's like, she's using her gauntlets to deflect lightning and she's like throwing somebody down, like, like they're like up and uh, they're like they've jumped over a building and she's like throwing them down like on top yeah, of the building. Yeah. Like I'm guessing that's gotta be the fight because otherwise that is just, you're doing too much to try to take down a human. <laughs> For one guy. Yeah. He's yeah. not making that other alive. So I, yeah, I think this is definitely very cool. I'll be interested to see now if they confirm this at all, if like the next trailer, they show Danny Houston, whoever it is making that appearance as Aries, or if it's not Danny Houston and it's some, like if it's another, I'd be really on board. If it was like another big name actor who just, it's been a secret the whole time. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, here's Leonardo DiCaprio as Aries. You're just like, Holy what? Oh, that would really work. Sean Bean. I would like Sean Bean there too. Just give him another world to die in. No, uh, you can't kill him. You got to leave Ares alive. I don't know, man. But anyways, yeah, I think I think it's very very cool. Yes, absolutely. So that's it for the news. A lot of news this week, but we have to do a don't have to do our review. We are going to do a review. Love of to do Patriots Day, the third team up with Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg, the second of 2016. Um, I think this one is another good addition to their um, filmography together. Yeah. I don't think it's their best one. Uh, I think it's actually their worst one. Uh, but that's not a bad thing. I still think it's a really, really good movie. Whoa. I just don't, th- I don't think it, I don't think it's near as good as Lone Survivor because I just have such a great love for that movie. And then it's hard to compare Deepwater Horizon and Patriot's Day to one another because they're drastically different movies with their their tone and their content um because in Deepwater horizon it's very much like it's thriller in senses where it's them trying to survive and you it's it's adrenaline all throughout a lot of it and there's not much plot outside of we need to survive we're going to get off this we're going to get off this uh this oil rig because 
it's on fire and we're all going to die if we yeah. stay on top of it. Pretty simple. Yeah. Whereas Patriot's Day, it's, it's much more complex. It's very much more plot driven. Um, and everyone, Mark Wahlberg, John Goodman, Kevin Bacon, uh, Melissa Benoist, uh, anybody else, Alex Wolf, they all give really good performances. I don't think any of them are actually uh, like standout performances. Like, I think Wahlberg's better in Lone Survivor and Deepwater Horizon. Like, there's nobody like Gina Rodriguez in Deepwater Horizon or Kurt Russell that grabbed me with their performances. Um, yeah, I agree. The one of the bigger issues I had with the movie was the the pacing because Berg is so good at doing action when like there's car chases or gunfights you're like you're locked in because you're like oh this is this is great uh because of just how it's shot how it feels like it it feels like you're there the showdown with jk simmons and everything like yes that. like yeah the the Ooh. climax yeah this is so good like it those are those might be his best moments as a director um overall like even including lone survivor like his action moments in this film might be his best yet um but there when it's not in those moments there's a lot of dead time where you're you're waiting for them to find the next bit of information and you're like okay when are they gonna when are they gonna find this next camera that shows a different version of the bomber's face or when you when are they gonna find this bit of information out so it, it leaves you waiting until those moments and then when those moments happen then normally it shoots right into the next bit of action and so there, there's there's downtime but then there's like really good like upbeat stuff where you're just like constantly engaged um there are a lot of characters in the film uh rightfully so i don't think you should necessarily take any of them out but there's like some characters who even though you don't like you may not know who they are before the movie you're like mm-hmm okay, I can tell that it's not going to end well for you or you or you. Um, and some of them, they don't ever have like payoff at the end where it shows them th- for their portion of the story. And then you don't ever see them again. Like how it, how this horrific event of the Boston marathon, how it's affected them or how they've dealt with their part in the whole plot as a result after it's all been completed. Um, so I'm not, I don't think those pots were wasted, but I think they could have been expanded on, um, at near the end of the film. Uh, but the most part, I mean, I did really, I did really, really like this movie. The one thing, the only other thing that kind of bothered me is Mark Wahlberg's character, uh, because he's not actually a real person. Yep. He is a combination of multiple people and I don't know how I feel about that because throughout every other character in the movie is one, is their real person. It's their own separate person, but he's the only example where Peter Burr combines all these people together so that Mark Wahlberg can be present with the whole, throughout the whole film. I don't, I don't think that's the best move to make, but I understand why he did it. So he would have one through line throughout the whole thing instead of having to cast three or four different people and then you leave one person you pick up with another person and then it's just kind of like a rotating carousel of lead actors so i get why i did it but i don't love that decision so i'm going to give the movie three and a half ticket stubs out of five yeah okay that's really fair um this is absolutely the most I want to say ambitious but it's extremely different too um it felt more like a docudrama 
uh, than a live action biopic like we saw with Lone Survivor or like with Deepwater Horizon. Um, it's a, Peter Berg focused a lot on the story and the city of Boston more than he does on um, the, the people that were there uh, than uh, you know what they had or what they hadn't lost. And I think that kind of speaks to the payoff that you were talking about. Um, he did break from you know a his pre-established formula, which I know like with the through lines of everybody's story. And like you said, Wahlberg shows up and Tommy Saunders. Uh, I may, it actually made me mad to learn that he was fictional and that he, he cut out real people. Did you know that before the movie or I after? knew it before. So it, did and I. It bothered me the yeah. entire movie. I couldn't, I couldn't shake it. And then when he, Wahlberg gives the speech uh, about, you know, preventing terrorism or what do you do? Mm-hmm. And then I was just like, this is this is, was just too cliche, but those things down. I really like this. Really like this movie. Um, it did a Peter Berg did a fantastic job of um, you know giving us the look of how a great look about how you know how the city came together through all of this. Um, especially when I think you believe that was cribbed footage from the real day. Um, yeah, you know, and when they did the. Uh, the event, the, the event of the Boston mm-hmm. bombing. Um, yeah, I believe the first actual showing of the bombs going off was real footage. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I thought he handled all of that very well. Um, he didn't turn it into, I mean, what it was probably a very traumatic event for a lot of people. He didn't turn it into, uh, you know, he didn't focus on the carnage. He, he had it happen. Let, he didn't exploit it. Um, and you know, I think it did the victims, justice i guess you know helped you garner real empathy for people involved um the film kind of took a turn for me when they brought in um Belissa benoist who i was glad was there but uh to the interrogation that didn't do anything at all for the story but left you thinking oh maybe this wife who you know the wife of one of the bombers you know knows something um you, nothing she does affects the plot and then we get going and then I'm thinking was that necessary and then not till the end is they let her know that she gets let off the hook but for whatever case mm-hmm. um, I thought they, they could have done more for that uh, but all in all uh, m- everyone in this film does a fantastic job from John Cummins to J.K. Simmons to Mark Wahlberg who I mean I liked uh, Kevin Bacon who is almost irrecognizable in his FBI role. Like I thought he looked, he, you won't know who this is, but he looked a lot like um, a guy, a press secretary, Jay Carney, that, you know, it's like, this is uncanny. But anyway, um, uh, Michael Beach, fantastic as well as the mayor. Um, and the accents. I, lo- I love Boston accents. I think I said this mm-hmm. in Manchester by the sea. Everyone's was like so on par. And then come to find out they used you know, the real men and women are not most, you know, um, Boston PD people to fill in a lot of those roles, <laughs> which that was awesome. Uh, I thought that was fantastic. Um, uh, then the ending, um, the credits, the, uh, the, the final part of the movie where we see them dedicate, you know, time to, um, you know, the heroes and people to tell their story, mm-hmm. the people, uh, the mayor, um, and all of them, at the end was really great. It was kind of like Sully, mm-hmm. only 
much more dedicated and focused on them. And I thought that was fantastic. Uh, the, I mean, a couple other final dings about it. I would say it was almost too rah-rah uh, about Boston, but that's the point. Yeah. Um, it was more about, you know, we can finally close the book on this, if you will, but remember mm-hmm. what people sacrificed and, you know, who what people lost that day. Uh, so all in all, though, um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to have to give it three and a half tickets up as well. Okay. It, it was... It was it was an attempt to be innovative, um, but ultimately it was just too much of a break from yeah. what Peter traditionally does. Yeah. Uh, do you have any like maybe more specific thoughts? I don't know. Like, there's ne- I don't think there's necessarily spoilers, but like one moment that I liked a lot was at the end. Well, it was at the beginning and the end of the film when it is uh, the portrayals of Patrick Down. Downs and Jessica Kensky, who both lost a leg oh, yes. uh, in the explosion. It's at the very beginning of the movie. You see them like regular Saturday morning, whatever day the Boston Marathon takes place on, and they're they're happy. They just woke up, um, and then they're like they're making out, and then you, like it. I was like, why is he focusing on their legs? Like their legs like intertwining together and stuff. And then like at the end of the movie, when they're reunited in the hospital. You're like, mm-hmm. oh. Okay, I really liked that because of like it just it was a subtle way of showing what they're gonna lose in the sense. Um, and but like one of like the the moments where I was like, wait, what happened to this guy? Was uh, Don Meng, the guy uh, who gets yeah. the guy who gets mm-hmm. kidnapped by the bombers? Yep. And yes. like like there's a lot of setup with his character and of how he's like trying to like start up a website or yeah, something. Uh, yeah. He's got a busy, his, his app to, for food delivery. Yeah. yeah. And then he like, he meets this girl and they go on a date and then he gets involved with the bombers and then you never see him again. You're like, what happened to the guy? Like after he like calls the cops and tells them his story, like mm-hmm. does he, does he get the girl? Like, I think there was a photo at the very end when they actually showed the real guy of him and a girl, but I'm like, I don't know if that's, I don't right. know if that's her. Yeah. And I was like, I, I wish they would have maybe explored that because then you get kind of that happy ending for that guy who went through a traumatic experience in his own right. Mm-hmm. But uh, that, that's really it. Yeah. There's a lot of little things in this movie that, you know, ended up having uh, significance uh, throughout, um, you know, the, the overarching narrative. But a lot of it was a bit of nothing. I mean, like, like what you just described, like it was a bit of nothing. Yeah. Um, the entire through the JK Simmons part of the movie, um, was not only just because he was involved in probably one of the most, uh, the most climatic parts of the film, you know, with, uh, the pipe bombs and all that, Mm -hmm. you know, happening, but maybe I don't know if it was because I just loved him as an actor or just, um, no, I think that's definitely the highlight of the movie is that, that whole shootout, uh, it's just it's so intense, and I mean, yeah. And then yeah, the de-escalation and everything at the end um, was fantastic. Uh, and you know, I mean, I think I think I kind of I think I dig dinged it for um, being a little a little too unfocused and not being too much of a a movie more so than just like you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, a pep rally right but i think i mean i think that's fine um and so that that's really all i have yeah 
Uh, where do where would you put this in terms of your Peter Berg films? I would, yikes! It would probably definitely be, um, be number four. Well, him and well, Peter Berg movies. Well, like Peter Berg and Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg movies, yeah, yeah, I think it would definitely be number four. It's three. Three. Sorry. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to top Deepwater Horizon. Mm-hmm. It's really hard to top. It's impossible to top Lone Survivor. Yeah, because Lone Survivor is in the echelon of yeah great movies. Yes, it is. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all we got. So during our time away, be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything we covered by tuning us at Friends and Film, where you'll receive updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at Coops underscore Hoops. And you can follow me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, head over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review with comments about what we did good, what we could do better on so we can improve and keep you listening week to week. Uh, and if you really enjoyed it, it'd be really helpful if you subscribed shared it on social media, whether it's Facebook or Twitter, just share the link that you found the podcast at, or if you found us randomly, uh, thanks for tuning in and hope you keep coming back and then just share it with, share it on your social media, maybe tag us um, on whatever platform you're using. Uh, Before we sign off, we're going to come back again next week with another review, but again, we don't know what it's going to be. There's two possibilities. Uh, If we get the expanded release for silence, Please. We'll probably go see that. If not, I believe M. Night Shyamalan's next movie, Split, is wide release next weekend. So we'll either be doing Oscar potential, which is weird because Silence hasn't actually gotten any Oscar or awards buzz. Like It's been pretty much shut out of awards consideration. No one's talking. Yeah, which is weird. But we'll still see it anyways if it comes out. If not, we'll do M. Night Shyamalan's The Split. Uh which one are you more interested to see? I'm more interested to see Silence, just because of the cast: um, Liam Neeson, Adam Driver, uh, Andrew Garfield. But M Night Shyamalan coming back with a very strong movie after you know a very disappointing run the last couple of years—that's not to be overlooked. Yeah, I think you. I think if you put the two movies in my hand and I could watch one right away, I think I'd choose Split. Mm. Um, the runtime of uh, Silence is a little daunting. It's like two forty, um, but I do like I do like the content that it's going to be. I, I like the cast. Obviously, I like Scorsese's director, but I yeah, I'm just really interested to see what M Night Shyamalan's going to do next. I think James McAvoy in the trailers looks so creepy that I I just want to see his Disturbing. full portrayal as yeah. twenty four different personalities, I believe. And uh, so yeah, I think I would edge on that one but we'll see what it's going to be next week uh maybe i'll see both again i don't know we'll, we'll have to wait and see uh but that's it for the friends of film podcast episode 54 josh thanks for stopping in everyone thanks again for tuning in to the friends of film podcast tune in next week for our review